Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Vikings are one and four. What's your take on this? It's a very interesting one when you look not just at the record, but the underlying metrics and the film. We're going to talk a lot about this team, their immediate future, and their late... What's the right phrasing? Their long-term future. This team is set up in a very interesting way. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run in Shooter. Host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, Mr. 6-0, producer Dave. Dave, how are you? I am doing great on this Monday. It's a miserable day after all. Another loss. I heard you want to fight with me today, so let's start fighting. Well, not uh, necessarily. <laughs> Listen, I, I think there's a lot that we're going to talk about today. and It's not going to be a lot about the Vikings' loss to the Chiefs because they played relatively well. They shot themselves in the foot, and they got burned a little bit. It was a, a mixed bag, and they just unfortunately came out on the wrong side of it. But we're going to talk first about this offensive line. And that's going to be the real linchpin in the entire conversation. And I, I'm just going to say it. And I know it's going to be really weird to hear. 
The Vikings have a very good offensive line, and they proved it again this week. Now, it's not a flawless offensive line, but one of the big things with offensive line play is unless you're diving into the nitty gritty of it, a lot of offensive line play is like viewed and talked about on uh, reputation. That's the right word for it. So if you have a reputation that you stink, like Ed Ingram did last year, it's really hard to shake that. Is that fair? No, but it's just reality. Offensive line play is a lot less tangible than something like playing quarterback or wide receiver. A lot less, a lot lower of a profile when you talk about individual performance. So that's where that's where we're at here. This offensive line is good, and they've been playing really well. They are PFF's number two pass blocking unit, number one run blocking unit, and when you think about that type of success it really begs the question, what's going wrong? Why isn't this team playing better? There are a lot of reasons for that. I would put almost none of it on the play calling. Yeah, it, execution means more with some of this stuff than the actual play calling itself. I think the play calling has been creative. I think it's been cohesive. And I think Kevin O'Connell's done a great job of putting players in positions to succeed. I said on the live show yesterday, that I thought this was Kirk Cousins' best game. I'm going to pull back a little bit on that. I don't think it was his best game anymore, but I still think he was good. There were too many times, and I'm only through like the second quarter of the All-22, where he had a beautiful pocket. And if you go to my Twitter profile right now, at the Real Forno, pull up another tab, you'll still be able to hear me, and you can come back and see this beautiful face. <laughs> but go look at some of the clips I've already shared. It's clean pockets. Kirk has a very clean pocket to operate with. It's really astounding on how well this offensive line has been blocking. And it feels weird. It's okay to feel weird that to say that the Vikings have a good offensive line. But these resources that they've continued to put into it. Ed Ingram, second round pick. Christian Derisaw, first round pick. Ezra Cleveland, second round pick. Brian O'Neill, second round pick. Garrett Bradbury, first-round pick. They're finally playing up to their draft stocks as a unit. And it's not a flawless group. They're still allowing sacks. They're still allowing pressures. But what I want to say is when they're allowing pressure, it's either a free blitzer where Leo Chanel had a sack. They brought seven guys. The Vikings only had six to block. They didn't have a hot route because of what concepts they were running. And that happens every once in a while. What got me on that play, though, was it was Josh Oliver, I believe, was the one that went out. He did not chip on the way out. He purposely avoided the rusher to get into his route. If he would have chipped, he would have slowed him down just a bit. Now, granted, he would have slowed down on his route just a bit, but it may have helped. And I think that's that's a that's a protection call thing and coaching because normally when a tight end's going out from the offensive line, they like to chip and clean up somebody on the way to their route because it helps the quarterback 
in the process because it delays that rush just that little bit. And I didn't see that. To me, it looked like he was told, don't touch him, go around like he did. And you had seven on six, and it was straight shot to Kirk Cousins, bam, down. So here's my thought process on it, and I genuinely don't know for sure if this is the case, Dave, because I'm not sure the within the construct of this play call, the rules that were uh, that were given to these players. And you kind of laid it out nicely that like in theory, he should be chipping in reality. Is he supposed to be because the way that he and Hawkinson are running these routes there, like I have the all 22 clip actually pulled up on my laptop right now as we're talking. And I, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting play because Hawkinson's running a post. So if you're looking at Oliver and O'Neill on this play, cause the, the pressure comes right around Brian O'Neill on the right side. It's Oliver next to O'Neill, Hawkinson on the other side. They're running a scissors concept. And here's what a scissors concept is. You have the inside guy running a corner route. And then on the other side, so the corner's going right here, and then Hawkinson's running a post. So they cross. A lot of times it's called X scissors. All right. That route concept is meant to mess with uh, like quarters coverage on the back end because they have to figure out if they're passing off or if they're staying. So if you have the inside guy passing off, so he lets Josh Oliver go to the corner, but then the outside guy follows Hawkinson. You have a wide open Josh Oliver and the other side, they're running a flag concept. So you have two different concepts at work. here trying to attack the defense. Well, in order for this concept to work, you can't do that kind of chip. So my, my theory, Dave here is, he was told not to. And the only way this play doesn't have a chance of working is if you bring seven and they just brought seven. And sometimes you just have kind of have to eat it, which really sucks because you don't want to eat a sack like that. But the way this route concept was built, you have to let these guys get that kind of release so they can get out deep. Because if Hawkinson crosses, like a good three, four yards before Oliver even breaks out. That's a problem because that's, that's not going to sell to the def- deep defenders well enough to where they can get that kind of confusion and create some separation. And that's one of the issues with Ke- uh, Kevin O'Connell offense. Sometimes there have been too many instances, which is understandable to a point where there's no hot route. And if the blitz is coming that heavy and there's nowhere to throw the football immediately, well, that's what hot routes are designed for, where if you have that kind of blitz, you can check into something and bada bing, bada boom. My guess is Cam Akers on that play wasn't supposed to be the hot route guy, but he's blocking. And this is where you have some of those instances where it's it's just frustrating. And sometimes you just get out, out called. And Steve Spagnolo did it. A lot of times the Vikings have done so on offense. The two Jordan Madison post route touchdowns, they schemed those against the defense. They won those plays. So I'm looking at it from a sense of, you know what? We just got beat straight up and I live with it. I would have uh, hoped to try to, if they ever see that again, have an option to rather than 
TJ and Josh doing the scissors, doing the cross, have one of the wide receivers on outside of Josh be the one that crosses over, and then you let Josh chip and then float out into the flat, and then he's available for a hot route dump off type of pass. Once his guy gets past him, he's delayed him enough that Kirk can set, see it, turn around, and you know loft it over the top of his head. But that wasn't a play called. I'm not the coach. Yeah, and it's I'm trying to trying to find a way to phrase this because you're right, but sometimes with the way they have some of these things designed and for a lot of different reasons, it, sometimes rules are just different where th- th- conceptually maybe they shouldn't be. It's almost like putting a bill in front of Congress and you think it should go this way and it makes sense that it goes this way. But by the time everybody gets their hands on it, there's a bunch of different rules and regulations. It's, it's not the same as like pork belly fat that you would see uh, tacked onto a bill, but it it things can change over the course of time when more people have their hands on it, and that I think that can happen with play calling a little bit, Dave, just because there are so many different things and different things you're going to encounter on a game to game basis. So this play may be tweaked a little bit, and it was something that I learned a few months ago when I was talking about the run game on football or uh, on, heard about the length of that comment. That's fine. Hey, you know what? I love that, that kind of passion where we've got people that, that are writing that much and are that passionate about the Vikings. That's why we're here. We care about the Vikings. The difference is we're going to tell you exactly what we think about them. And we're not going to sugarcoat. We're just going to be honest. And I think that's, that's honestly the joy of the show and network. And please like comment, subscribe, ring the bell, all the things we're going to have a lot of fun stuff. If the Vikings are really good, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff about the predicting the immediate future. If the Vikings are really bad, oh, you're going to love draft content from us. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, what was, what was I saying? The uh, one thing that I learned, and it was Jeff Schwartz, former offensive lineman, former Vikings offensive lineman, that pointed this out. There can be different rules with zone runs based on who you're playing. And that, that can be like game plan specific, which I found very interesting how like on a wide zone run, your responsibility is this, but it might be different based on if you're playing the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Falcons, because you have different types of players and you need to be able to do some of those things. Hey, and look who's in the chat. type of defensive schemes you're going up against. Yeah. Hey, and they look have their own the- rules. We got Viking Jerome back in the house. I haven't seen Viking Jerome in a long time. Welcome back, sir. Welcome back, Jerome. Yeah, so I I think that's interesting. It's something to at least contextualize here with with like that specific play. But I want to talk more about the offensive line play. um, I don't know if I mentioned it at the top. They're PFF's number two pass blocking unit and PFF's number one run blocking unit. That's really good. But it also shows the flaws of this team because they haven't been able to take advantage of that yet. Kirk Cousins has been inconsistent and rough with his decision-making at times. And I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive against the Chiefs yesterday. There was one play, and it was one of the plays that I posted on Twitter where 
he had a great pocket. He could have anticipated a dig across the middle. It was it was tight coverage, but if you throw that ball right, which he is more than capable of doing, I mean, you're not throwing it into a, like a super tight window. There's just a guy trailing behind that that could have made a play on the ball, but if you throw it right, like it's fine, and you can make a play and trust your receiver to go grab it. I think the limitations you have at quarterback and at running back as well. Alexander Madison can't see. And it's like, <laughs> look, he can physically actually see things, but that's the, where the ball and the blind cane going through the line, feeling for a hole. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating that he's not able to really maximize his potential. He runs hard, great human being. He does a lot of stuff to like, uh, for, um, underprivileged children. And he's just a very nice person to talk to, but he's not a starting caliber running back in the NFL. And uh, well, I thought he ran. I wasn't disappointed in his running yesterday. It no, was I'm talking in overall sense, not like a single game sample size. Right. Like, now he his has dropped screen pass. I was a little <laughs> perturbed over, but that was because it was perfect right where it needed to be on his hands, the whole works. And he started to look to run prior to catching the football. That now, is Dave, a sickness that wide receivers and running backs often get. Let's use this for the transition matter. point because the offensive line, look, it's good. And there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it and how we're going to parse out the future of this football team later in the show. But I want to use that screen pass as a, as like a jumping off point to talk about Kevin O'Connell yesterday was not his best game uh, as especially with his game management skills. They were bad. And it, a lot of it has to do with discipline being situational masters is what they talked about. And that was how they ended up with a 13 and four record. They took advantage of situations and they were ready for anything that was thrown at them. Well, unfortunately that has not reared the same way that it did last year. And it's very frustrating when you look at everything because this team should be really good at those things because it's not like you all of a sudden forget how to manage the clock or you forget how to like understand and step up your game in a different way when like the time is running out. You don't just forget that kind of stuff. They're just not executing. And O'Connell needs to get these guys in a, a better discipline. Everybody knows I'm a big Florida Gator fan. If you watch the Florida Gators this year, they're not a bad football team. In fact, I would say they are a good football team. The biggest thing about the Florida Gators that's inherently frustrating, Dave, discipline is lacking. None. If any of those guys were in your platoon in the military, you'd want to kill them because they'd be making you run and march for hours on end because of the lack of discipline. That's the entirety of why they have lost two football games. Discipline, dumb penalties, not fitting the run, not tackling well. It's all discipline stuff. And this is what happened with the Vikings this past weekend. Kevin O'Connell did not have the right discipline with this football team. They, that it, it was just a struggle. And when you kind of take a look at all those factors, it really sucks because yeah, this is this, this could have been a win, but the discipline factors and the 
lack of timeouts really killed them. And if you just have one timeout at the end, that's an extra 50 seconds. 50 seconds goes a long way when you're trying to march down the field. You could throw the ball over the middle twice and throw two passes to the sidelines. That's 50 yards. That's 50 seconds. Like you're talking about how that one timeout could have been four positive plays to move you down the field and get you in position to score a touchdown. That me- that means a lot. Hey, it started out game one since the beginning of this season. Our first drives are miserable. First game, punt. Next one, fumble. Next one, I think, was the fumble. Then comes the 99-yard pick six. Then fumble. And uh, I may have to pick six out of order, but it's been nothing but one punt and a bunch of turnovers. And they've been outscored in that first quarter 27 to three. That's they're not disciplined. They should come out firing and they're, they haven't been. And it's, and it's not just been one person, right? Mm -hmm. KOC complains about the fumbling. And yes, you learn that in Pop Warner. You do not want to put the ball on the ground. Ball security. It's drilled into you. Bang, bang, bang. Ball security. All the way through football, you're pounded with ball security. And yet, it's not generally one person. It's everybody that's dropped the football so far. And then when it comes to that, as much as KOC is doing with buying ball vibrators or broomsticks to knock balls out, having guys carry it, it's not working. There is something, there is a disconnect. Whether he's too nice and coddling or players aren't getting it, they're you know saying, hey, last year we had all those one-score games and we won. We don't have to change anything. And now we're having to one-score games, and they're losing. Something is off. And partially, I think part of that is something's off with KOC as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, let's let's kind of transition here, Dave, to the good. Because I think what gets lost about Kevin O'Connell is the execution. And you straight up mentioned the screen pass that Alexander Madison dropped that would have gone for a sure touchdown or at least gotten people, in inside the 10. Yes. People will blame the play calling. Excuse it me. Play. It was a phenomenal play call. Great use of situation. And it worked except for the drop pass. It was, it was perfectly designed. They had proper spacing on the outside, multiple lead blockers, Madison should have scored there and his wanting to just make a play with the ball rather than secure and then turn up field is what did them in. And you know what? That happens, but that go also boils back down to the discipline angle. Dave mm-hmm. wanting to do something before you've just done the basic. It's like uh, putting a steak on the grill without making sure that the grill is hot. You don't put a steak on the grill first. You get those iron grates hot before you slap that steak on there. Like those, the little things matter and you have to make sure that you have the little things down in Madison, quite frankly, just blew it. And it's, it's tough because Kevin O'Connell gets blamed for some of this stuff, but it's, it's not his fault. It really isn't. 
But he's the head coach. The buck stops at the head coach. Yeah, but I, if Madison drops it, yeah, you, you can do some things to fix it. But it's not a play calling issue. It's not a issue of anybody else. It's one player, and you just have to fix that one issue. You're 100% right the buck stops with Kevin O'Connell. But it's the why behind what the problem is and what the issue is that needs to be fixed. That is the disconnect between what I believe is reality and some people's opinions. And which, that, which, that's what we're talking about. It, it very well may be, but it seems so far this season, the team plays well most of the time. And then there's the one oopsies by Madison in this case, or dropsies by TJ Hawkinson, or heck, even uh, JJ dropped a ball on Sunday. There's one of those things in each game by a multitude of people that cause the inefficiencies, the lack, the stalling of drives, the losing of the ball and possession. All that stuff builds up. You can play mm-hmm. 90%. Everybody's playing perfect, right? They're playing mm-hmm. great, getting graded great. They look great, playing great, tons of talent. Mm-hmm. But when that one person out of 11 messes up on a play, that's costing them. And it's not, you know, a whole bunch of people messing up on one play. It's one person on this play, another person on that play, another person on this play. And the accumulation of those plays that have messed up have put the Vikings behind the power curve the entire season so far. They don't come out of their shells until they're two scores down and playing catch-up. And that has to be stopped. We didn't have that last year. Yes, we had mistakes last year. Every team has mistakes. There are yeah. You can't play per- perfect football. There's but you try to minimize those as much as possible. And it doesn't seem to have happened so far this season. Now I'm hearing excuses. Well, Dave, we played, you know, all these playoff teams so far. Eh. So, all right, quality. But as Justin says, everybody coming up on our schedule next is going, whoo, we got the easy part of the schedule next. We're playing the Minnesota Vikings. It's unbelievable. Dave, yes, that was a great fourth down punt fake. Absolutely. Brilliantly called. What was wild about that punt fake is it didn't even look like we caught him by surprise. They just nailed it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, blocking was really well, well done. And Chandler hit the hole, burst through it, and used his speed and quickness to be able to get the edge. And 15 yards, first down. And that got the Vikings on the board. Um, mm-hmm. I think that drive ended in a touchdown to Jordan Addison, which like, look, sometimes you have to create your own luck. And we've talked about that with Kirk cousins and had the willingness to take chances down the field. I'm not saying be reckless, pick your opportunities. It's like watching a NASCAR race. You can't just try to pass every single turn. You can't, you have to set them up. You have to get the right run and you have to do it the right way. Otherwise it could just backfire on you and you could end up losing ground. And that's kind of what we're asking Kirk to do. Be more aggressive. Just pick a few more shots a game. Like, Be aggressive on like two more throws. That's it. We're not asking the world. If you throw the ball 35 times, 
Two of those throws where you decide to not be as aggressive, just be more aggressive. And you know what? Something that we've talked about on the show since its inception, Dave, if he throws a pick in a couple of those situations, okay, that's fine. You live with it. And that's why I didn't criticize him for having 14 picks last year. Mm -hmm. Why? He was trying to drive the ball down the field and make plays and trust his receivers. Sometimes you get burned. Sometimes it's, it's frustrating, but that's why each pick has to be graded on its own curve. And you don't just look at the total number and be like, Oh, he stinks. Why? The motif of this show, every stat has context in order to understand it. You have to find it. And that, that is going to be the big thing here moving forward. And that's why I think like the whole discussion about Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dofomenta, it's so incomplete right now. And Oh, I can understand. I can, under, I can understand some trepidation by people where they're okay. I I don't think Quasi Dovamensa and Kevin O'Connor are doing a, a good job, but they're not. They're also not doing a bad job. It's you have to give people in this these positions time. Mm-hmm. Quasi Dovamensa doesn't have this roster in a place where he feels like it's comfortable for him. He doesn't believe that this group is his. It's Rick Spielman's and he's working through some of those things now. Yeah, he's halfway. He's halfway through the competitive rebuild. Yeah. And in order to truly understand if his vision is going to work, you have to let him finish it. Mm -hmm. You can't tell Stephen King, oh, you're halfway through the book. Ah, I'm going to have Tom Clancy finish it. What? (laughs) That doesn't make sense, does it? Like that's that's kind of where we're at here. You have to let them finish the process, at least their initial vision. You have they when they go in and they interview the ownership and front office or personnel, you have a conversation, be like, okay, X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to get there. And the second, if it's let's say it's a three-year plan, at the end of the three-year plan, then you can have a real conversation, be like, okay, this is what your vision is. Where are we at? Are we trending in a positive direction? What were the mistakes made? Did we learn from them? Did we grow from them? Did they cripple us? Because remember, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch handpicked Trey Lance. They dumped him for a fourth round pick after two years. They just got extensions. You know why? Kyle Shanahan is the best head coach in football, arguably. He's arguably the best play caller in football. And they were a healthy quarterback away from potentially making the Super Bowl last year. So that that's why some of this stuff it matters for guys like Quasi Ofimensa and Kevin O'Connell. Because you have to understand where the vision is going, what the vision is, and let it play out. And then once you've given it an ample amount of time, and that's why the three-year mark is usually what happens with general managers and head coaches because it gives you enough time to get everything that you want in place and see where things are trending. If they're not trending well, you move on and you figure out, okay, where do we go now from here without this person in the building? And that's why this offseason, I think, is so pivotal, especially for Quasito Fomensa, because it's going to be the first where he's going to get to pick the quarterback. He's going to get to... uh, mold the uh, positions like the defensive line in his image 
the offensive line is molded in his image right now. Um, he has talent to it. At the wide, yeah. wide receiver positions. He like they have a great defensive coordinator and Brian Flores, who at this point, I don't think he would be considered a super great candidate for a head coaching job. But we also know how well he did at Miami. So who knows? That's a wild card. But hopefully he's not. Also, and he stays for next year. And then if he goes after that, we get the compensation pick. Mm-hmm. There are also so few players under contract through 2024 that he has so much flexibility to do whatever he wants. And that is the real intriguing part for this future, this Minnesota Vikings team, because there is zero certainty. The only certainty is they want Justin Jefferson in the building. They want TJ Hawkinson in the building. They want Christian Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill. Those are your core four. Now, you want Jordan Addison to be a part of that. You want Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport to be a part of that. But the only ones that are really a guarantee are the two tackles, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. Addison's still a work in progress. He's a rookie. So that's the core you're building around. And how, how can you move forward? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. How can you build around those players? And I think we're really going to find out what Quasi Dolfo Mensa is made of here, Dave, because it's going to, this is now going to be his vision, not just trying to fix the issues that Rick Spielman had. And I, I genuinely don't know if he's going to be able to do it. He's it's a wild card. It is a variable in the math problem. That is the Minnesota Vikings. Will he be able to? I think so. But I, I can't say with any form of like real confidence, I believe the vision that he has on an overall level, based on what we know, it is working. Will it be able to take that next step? Only time will tell, but I'll tell you this. I feel really good about it. And I, I just want to point out before you move on here, Dave, a couple of things in the comments. Um, Jay Giza says trading down uh, from 12 to 32 with nothing to show for it is telling. <sighs> I, I understand your frustration. I completely do. But I also I I want this to be thought of as well when we're talking about that trade. We need to have a little bit more time because right now you have like Ed Ingram is a byproduct of that trade. Ed Ingram's hitting right now. Andrew Booth got a few snaps. If Evans is out for any period of time, he's going to get more snaps. He's going to get nickel snaps. And we will 
we will hear and we will see more about it. Now, right now, it doesn't look great, but I think going into year three, we're going to be able to have a much deeper and more meaningful conversation on that trade back. Um, and then lastly, um, Dave L um, says that I'm the only show that he can listen to this week. I get, he gets people are angry, but he can't deal with the hatred towards management. Kirk is terrible in pressure moments and you hear crickets. Like, Hey, I, I appreciate the kind words. And the big thing is like, we're, we're just, we're just going to be honest. And yeah, we're frustrated. We don't want to be one and four. We'd rather be four and one. But sometimes it's it's about finding the answers. And sometimes the answers are ones you want to hear. And sometimes they're ones you don't want to hear. Now, I, I'm going to go back to this point because Patrick makes an interesting comment. There's really no defending that trade at all. This is where we have the conversation about process versus results. The process of the trade makes sense in the fact that they wanted to get more picks. They picked up if they got a first, they got a second and they got a third, which is basically a second. Anyways, they, you can argue they gave up too much depending on the chart. The old school chart said they did the new school chart said they won. And that general process is good. Then they flipped 34 to get 53 and 59. Then they moved 53 and two other picks to go get 42. The process they used to make those moves was good. It stinks that the results haven't really matched up with that process yet. And that is incredibly frustrating. And I don't blame anybody for being frustrated about that. Raymond's right. We didn't hear about Andrew once in that game. That's important. Now, just understand that if results don't always come with process, good process will yield good results in time. I think that was good process. And did it work? No, it hasn't worked out yet. If You know what? At the end of the day, we may say that that process didn't end up working out. That doesn't mean the process to get there wasn't good. It's like buying a McDonald's. And McDonald's is arguably a very safe company. Because they're they're like world leaders in sales. But sometimes like a McDonald's just may not work out. It happens. But the process of owning a McDonald's, if you run it right, is good because it does really good business consistently year over year. Like this is kind of what the situation we're in with Quasi. Like he's using good process. It just hasn't worked out. And Patrick, I, I feel you. But to me, that's not a... You're mad about the process. You're just mad about which players they got and didn't get. And I think that's a different conversation. Well, Mateo says, can't stand how crazy thinks he's outsmarting people by drafting injury prone people. That's a gamble. And that may be one he learns from and says, "Mm, I'm shying away from that. Because if they hit and people, you know, are suddenly healthy because Injuries sometimes work that way. Yeah. Then he's, you know, gold. But he can, you know, get three or four of those guys and three or four of them don't pan out because those injuries keep on following them. Mm -hmm. It's a roll of the dice. And so far, he seems to have crapped out on that roll of the dice. But the thought process behind it, 
of let's take a chance. We can't afford, and this goes for free agency, we can't afford the higher price guy, so we're going to take this medium price guy with upside. Yes, he has an injury history, and maybe he hits like we want him to and stays injury-free, and we're golden. It just hasn't happened that way yet. Yeah, and I think one of the big things here is that everybody bets on injury injured guys because sometimes injuries just never go away. Jason Verrett, the cornerback out of TCU, gets drafted. I think he's had like six season-ending injuries, and that may be slight hyperbole, but I don't think it is. He's just had that many injury issues. But eventually, you the more injuries a, guy's ha- a guy has, the less you are able to sign them for. But when they play, they're great. And that's kind of what we're at with Marcus Davenport. Uh, like a high ankle sprain. Look, that's just a football injury. It happens. But the two games he's played, nobody can sit here and say that he hasn't been really good. Because he has. And every team makes those gambles. Um, I think one of the more famous teams that has made those gambles is Philly. Jalen Carter had character concerns coming out. And I'll, I'll never forget, there's a pass rusher. His name's Josh Sweat. He signed a big contract extension with the Eagles a year or two ago. First round talent fell to round four because he had like no cartilage in his knees. Like that doesn't scream long NFL career, but they took him around four and he's been great and he's still playing. And it's like year six. Like you have to take some risks. The key is understanding like with the information they have is trying to mitigate them as best as you can. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but you have to be willing to take risks in this business. And if you, if you don't end up taking risks, you're it's never going to work. You have to be willing to shoot the moon. And the key is like, let's specifically talk Andrew Booth. So we know he had a bunch of injuries coming out and he's dealt with injuries for the majority of his college career. Oh, so but the key cool. is, yeah, the key here is when, if let's say that process ends up failing, look back on it. Okay. Why did it fail? And then look at the player, look at the injuries and look at how they're interconnected this out of the other thing. And then how do you move forward and learn from that? How, how do you make sure you don't make that mistake again? And I think that is where, because general managers only hit about 30% of their draft picks. It's like a hitter and, in baseball. Some guys who are great at, excuse me, hit 40%. And that, those are the teams that make Super Bowls. So if the Vikings can end up figuring out how to hit 40% of their picks, like you're going to grow and learn in that process over the course of time. And I'm very intrigued to see how that ends up playing out because there are just elements to it that you you have to have some risk. It's it's not like all their things in this life. Like it's not like, oh, I'm going to try this new hot sauce. I hope it's not too hot. Like it, it's it's a little more complicated than that. So um yeah. That's, I'm gonna take a break now. But you know, when it comes to crazy, him and KOC both are rookies basically last year. I chalk a mm-hmm. lot of that up to learning because you don't come in and be a wonder kid straight off the bat. That has never happened that I'm aware of. 
any time, even with the greatest GMs or the greatest head coaches, there's a learning period. And today's society, we all want it now, right? Yes. You've got to be able to wait. When it comes to the offensive line, there was a question about are, is Ezra and Ed the wrong scheme fit? Well, that's a that's an interesting question. Do you want to use the more power gap than you do zone blocking? And we can get into that, but if you look at them, and if you look at the, you opened up with talking about the grades. Ezra and Ed were our top 10, 10 guards per PFF. Now, I'm going to mm-hmm. hear it right now. PFF's garbage. They don't know what the heck they're doing or what the heck they're looking at. Could be. I'm not disputing that. But PFF, that applies to all 32 teams. So if you think they, you know, suck at evaluating O-line, that same suckitude goes straight across all 32 teams. Mm -hmm. Where they rank these guys is where they go, whether it's done in a sucky manner or if it's done Perfectly, and they know exactly what they're doing. And I think it's somewhere in between, but I think it's a relatively good process. Once you learn what they're looking for and how they evaluate, it's a good process. There's so you're comparing the whole league, whereas we just watch these guys on Sunday and we see our guys. We're not seeing the entire league. And yes, there are some players that are better. And but most teams don't have them. Absolutely not. Most teams don't have them, and it's taken a while to develop. If you can take a second round guard and suddenly he's playing a almost other than his small handful of screw ups, exceptional. That is amazing because you've only had him for a little over a season. I've always preached it takes three to four years for an offensive lineman nowadays to develop because they don't come in this way into the NFL. And ours are doing well. Ezra's in his fourth year, and he's scoring higher than he ever has. Now, does Ezra want to be a tackle? I'm sure he does. But I think Ed, we we will stick to it, and he will be just fine going forward. I think one of the reasons you're not seeing Reisner besides playing shape is that Red or that Ed is doing rather well. Yeah. And that's you don't mess with offensive line continuity. If something's working, you don't just replace people. Like that's not how football works. Um, to a point, football is a meritocracy. Now, sometimes you have like a first round pick and a UDFA, and if they're playing about the same level, then you put in the first round pick because in theory, first round pick, Dave, more potential mm-hmm. as I adjust because I'm starting to get uncomfortable again in my chair. Like you don't just put in Reisner because all of a sudden, like you just, you sign him. Oh, we got to play him. It's only two and a half million dollars. You're not exactly like giving this guy like a billion dollars to play guard. He, this is what I said. I that doesn't necessarily mean he's better. And Ingram and Cleveland 
are better. Now, one thing I want to point out that I found really interesting that somebody mentioned. Um, ooh, um, hey, send me some of that, Joseph. Cheers, my friend. Um, are are Cleveland and Ingram scheme fits? I don't think Cleveland's uh, the, what they want anymore out of the guard position. I think Ingram's what they want. And they've showed that by running more power runs, more gap runs, more duo than zone runs. Ingram can run zone, but he can also run like power plays in a much better fashion than Ezra can. Ezra is more of the quick athlete, more nuanced, and able to climb to the second level and all those things. I think they're going to, whoever replaces Ezra at guard, going to be more of a power guy. And we'll see if that works. But they like to run more inside zone and duo than they like to do wide zone. Vikings were a wide zone team under Lukubiaks, under Pat Shermer. Like, and I think that's kind of where we're sitting right now. So far, Mateo, yes. <clears throat> I also think they're trending towards being bust, but they're not bust right now. And yeah, I think I said so far. Yeah, I think that that's nuance. I, I love this. Richie Cuttingham for a head coach. Yep. And Fonzie will be his offensive coordinator. <laughs> I love it. And then uh, um, Chachi will be the defensive coordinator. And we'll, we'll have we'll have Joni in the front office. God, happy days. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. We have just a few more minutes left. Um, I'm answer Clifford, right? Quick. He said, okay. uh, put Reisner at left guard if Cleveland's not your plans for 2024 and beyond. I was talking with back, yeah. uh, I was talking with uh, Darren, my partner on two of bloggers today, Clifford, and we discussed just that thing. Especially if if we get through the next couple games and we still haven't won anything, and they start trading off assets, Cleveland would be a good one to target to trade off. Tyler has written about it, and moving Reisner in there at that point is perfect timing, and then you can keep Reisner. Supposedly, they hinted that he will be kept next year or whatever. That's the whole reason he brought the family up, etc. You have a replacement at that point, and it could be relatively effective. And it may happen. We may see that. But hopefully, let's win some games and see what turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it would be it would be great to be able to just kind of slide him in there if they believe that he's a long-term option. We don't know. We don't know how the front office feels about him. At the end of the day, they had to bring in somebody to replace Ole Udo, and Reisner was arguably the best, excuse me, the best choice. And will it work? I don't know. But so far, Reisner's been a good signing overall because he's depth and he hasn't had to play. Like, to me, that's fine. If he has to play, then he needs to play well when he does. And that's what he's paid for. But it's also great that the offensive line is playing so well. And some of the reasons, and you look at a couple of really clean pockets that the Vikings had, that also kind of exposes Kirk Cousins a little bit. And what he is and isn't able to do where, oh, everything's, I have a clean pocket and I can't do anything from it. Well, can I create? Can I make my own luck? Can I make something happen when nothing's available? Right now, the answer is no. He had a nice play where he he kind of scrambled out of the pocket and 
hit Addison on a shallow cross on like, I think it was like second and 20 and they got like 17 yards on it. So I want to see more and that's why I want a new quarterback. I want to see that player be able to do some of those things that we see from everybody else. I want to see that mobility. I want to see the ability to attack and create, make your own luck right now. The Vikings can't do it and they're going to have to, if they want to really pull themselves out of this hole, Dave, they're going to have to make their own luck. And you know how we've made our own luck here in Vikings first and skull, Dave. Yes, we've made our luck by being honest and producing great content, and that's why we would like you to like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And we also have um, subscriptions for our YouTube channel, which is a great way to support the show. You can do super chats for a one-time, um, quote-unquote, donation to the show, or you can set up a monthly thing for three, six, or fifteen dollars, and you get perks along with that. We've already had one listener on the show Baby join James. us to talk uh, about the Minnesota Vikings. And if you join that $15 tier, you can do that too. join us, have some fun, talk ball. And we're going to be having a lot more opportunities to do some things here moving forward. And you won't want to miss it. Draft season is going to be chopped full of great stuff. And there's going to be more opportunities to do videos. There's going to be opportunities to have short videos where we just talk. Hey, let's talk about a prospect today. 10 minutes. Boom, bang, done. And we're going to have a lot of fun here this year. And if you want to continue to support the show and help us grow, that's a great way to do it. Or if you are a potential sponsor, hit us up because we are looking to add sponsors to our show to help us grow. And in turn, we will help you as well. So a couple things to be just knowledgeable of. And we are so close to 1300 subscribers. Please like subscribe, ring the bell to help us get over that 1300 plateau. We only started like March 13th mm-hmm. and we're already at that level. And we hope to be over 3000 by the end of the football season. And with your support, we can get there in the meantime, Dave, that's going to be the show today. Um, it was a fun one. We had a lot of really good discussion and the Vikings are unfortunately one in four, but there is still, <laughs> Hope, and I'm going to have a lot more on this team moving forward, and we are going to be in a great spot. And with all that said, as everybody's talking in the chat, go Twins. They play a playoff game tomorrow. My dad's coming over. We're going to drink some beers, watch some football right after you take Odie to the vet. He's got to get some shots to make sure he's a healthy boy. But outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, Have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Central Time here on this very YouTube channel. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. What do we say? Go Raiders! Skull Vikings. Vikings, (laughs) Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. On behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. 
American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.